You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show on uh, Raw Dog, Channel 99. Uh, my name is Paul Mercurio, and I've been asked to host the show this week. There's a special show uh, that Noam Dwarman, the, the owner of The Comedy Cellar, uh, sort of initiated and invited a bunch of comedy club owners from uh, New York in to talk about the state of comedy in New York and the state of comedy in general and the boom and all that other stuff. So I'm going to go around the table here and introduce everybody. Uh, to my left, Al Martin. He owns a Broadway Comedy Club and Greenwich Village Comedy Club. Noam Dwarman, comedy seller. <laughs> Dan Natterman, very funny comedian. Rebecca Trent, <laughs> The Creek in the Cave, has a lovely outdoor patio that I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Chris Mazzilli, did not bring his car to give me a ride. Owner of, the, uh, <laughs> of uh, Gotham Comedy Club. And uh, Kristen Montella, who uh, worked at the, the Comedy Cellar for years and is a host of the show and all of that. So welcome. Um, so let's just sort of talk about, you know, there's this been this, I think everybody see, well, maybe except we were talking earlier, Rebecca, the comedy <laughs> boom of sort of, of sorts. And um, how, why do we think that's sort of come about and sort of what, um, do we, do we have, do you guys have any sense or how do you get a sense where that thing turns back the other way, if at all? And just, I'll just throw it out there. Well, I think part of it, it's all generated by the internet. You know, I mean, people have a lot more access to comedy and actually you think about what you were saying earlier before the show, how long a lot of us know each other, 20, 25 right. years. And some of us were standups. This is a Christmas Illy, by the way. You know. There was no internet. There was no way to put your stuff out there. Now, as a comedian, you could build up a following, and social media is a big part of what people do. Yeah, you know, and even for the clubs, yeah, you know, so to have access to people. Well, I, never the, mind the fact that every jackass now has a platform. Do well, you know that was I mean? the thing. So I was like, just everyone say, can call themselves an entertainer in some capacity. It feels like at the beginning of the social media boom, it was like really good for clubs, and I know the clubs use it, right? Like you yep. use it. Do you think it's just as effective now as it was, say, five or seven years ago or eight years ago when it was sort of more new? Because it feels like there's so much out there. I think it's changing. You know, I mean, the, the, the types of social media, what you're using kind of changes, you know what I mean? Because if you think about it, a few years back, email was huge. And not that it's still not a, a big part of what we do, but think about how many emails you get. Right. People get bombarded with them. They opt out of lists, you know, or they don't open the email. Mm. Um, you know, so you have to kind of stay ahead of the curve. And what you're doing, Al? Do you do do you do a lot with social media? You're running we, two clubs. We do a lot with social media. Um, you know what's impacted us a lot is Brexit. Surprisingly, so uh, at least for the last this past summer, I noticed a lot less um, people from the UK in New York City, which is a decent amount of the people. They love comedy. Hmm. People in the UK love comedy and. Because of Brexit, I think a lot of them panicked, and a lot less of them in in the city this year. And I mean, how does Times Square? I mean, there's these street teams we're talking about, and who who I mean, who here uses them? Who doesn't use I them? Use Why them. don't you? Yeah, I use them. Uh, I'll tell you, in the last year, uh, actually, Wait, tell, you tell us what a street team is. I don't think everybody knows. It. Uh, yeah, for those listening, basically, some clubs hire. There, are, there are people that literally go on the street and they solicit people just walking down the Correct. street to go to a comedy club, and they'll they'll send oh, sell them. That's what the people like that, that hover around the comedy seller line on McDougal Street. Yeah, is that, is that, is that street team? Exactly. Oh, the nice way to put it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are right down the street from each other. Go ahead. I'm and I want to. No, we will talk about that because uh, no, I don't. I'm here. That's it. 
Yeah. You can look at Noam. Go ahead. It's all right. <laughs> no, we're not, we have no... Uh, yeah, no we, but, so, yeah, finish up on that, but I, I want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, in, I don't, I'm not sure you're aware, but in July, the city of New York passed a law, um, or a licensing law for people on street teams, which I am very happy about, actually, because uh, there's been situations more in Times Square than around here, but in Times Square, it's a cesspool. I mean, you've got... Total scam every, artists. A lot yeah. of scam artists walking around. Tell them you the know. story about the ball. And tell them the news. Oh, yeah. Story I mean, last about. year there was a comedy club uh, in the heart of Times Square that was selling people for $500, at least some 1000 whatever they can get. It wasn't the club, although I don't know. Maybe the club might have been involved. I'm not positive. But they were selling all access passes to watch the ball drop for $1,000. <laughs> people would walk into the club... Uh, walk up two flights of stairs or wherever this club is, and they would find out <laughs> it was a, an empty room with minimum. like 20 people. <laughs> they had to still buy in two drinks. Yeah. You need to get those guys licensed and working for you, Al. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, uh, there are guys out there that actually print tickets, you know. It sucks, and, though, because it puts dirt on comedy's name. Of like, it, it makes it hard to get to Like, you're, they're not going to get burned twice, so they're not even going to go to a club know, again if you, they get burned uh, the first this time. Is Rebecca, if, if, this if, is Rebecca of the Creek. You don't, yeah. you don't use street teams. Never no, I don't. And actually, our community board has started to complain about the other, com uh, the other comedy club in my neighborhood that does use barking. They do bark uh, outside and it's kind of crazy i mean the stuff that they say to people and the way they try and lure yeah. you in bark and... bark is like you're right out front and sometimes they'll have the comics do that as barter to get stage time and exactly say, you want to come in you want to come in it's yeah a cheap i mean ticket. here's here's really what what is happening out there you've got this law that was just passed that these people need to be licensed they go out there they get their license and now the so city, what is this let's, how what is is there a <laughs> test license. you pass like what is the license like, it's, what do you it's do? not difficult you can go down there <laughs> and get it in i 10 promise minutes. not to scam anybody uh, <laughs> it, i think it's a promoter's license is what <laughs> they call it right isn't it a these guys are one step from homeless most of these street teams uh, uh, yeah a lot well that's the problem some some people for some clubs just don't want to get licensed they don't want to be on the radar i mean yeah. there's uh, child support issues uh back child support uh, open warrants for their arrest but, paying taxes yeah exactly. paying taxes i mean god forbid you know i mean yeah. but listen i don't like the lying i don't condone it uh if you've ever stood in my box office on a saturday night and you know you got a, a a lot of people lined up outside ready to come in and then there's one or two people that got scammed or three people or four and they're scammed and they're yelling in the lobby i want my money back someone told me tina fey and mm. and such and such is going to be here for five dollars first of all check a website when someone's telling you 17 right. comics but if you're having that issue why you, you why really feel you need to use it for your club yeah. to, to yeah. generate yeah, yeah, because yeah. You, to me you're it's a 50 it's a, it's a 53rd, right? It's a 200 seat room. Right, but you're in you're essentially right on the fringe of Times Square, Correct. it's really busy. Correct. Um you don't feel like there's enough foot traffic and anything no, else. And, and, a, the, and social media doesn't no, is not as effective. No, for you. I mean it's, social media is okay and it drives business, but well, what do you do for social media? Uh well, we put our shows up there and uh we we uh you Facebook, boost promote Twitter. them, you boost the posts and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we boost the posts, but you know what? I think that's overrated personally. You know, I, I, I just will say that uh, for my particular businesses, it works. You know, um, to address Gnome's point about my guys around hovering, 
That's uh, a good business model. <laughs> no, I, so I people mean, understand. Listen, Al has a club in the east. In gonna, the, I, in the, I, hang on, I'm, just so people understand the yeah. context. Uh, we're here on McDougal Street above this comedy cellar, and this is uh, down the street. Uh, Al opened a club, correct? Very close, and uh, and a, I'm going to make the argument a little bit, a little of uh, whatever. Well, well, let's, let me say you and you. If I'm if I'm not if I'm saying it in a, in a way that's not fair to you, you know, you can correct it. He has a, a street team there, and they're strategically set up to make contact with everybody that's coming to the comedy cellar. So, and so people understand. So the people guy, stand in line. I'm not even sure how those what goes on. So they stand in front of the pizzeria, and they'll say, right. "As you were checking in for comedy, checking in for well, no, I'm going to the comedy." And they will say, "Oh, the comedy cellar's over there. They're probably sold. If it's sold out, come see us." And then, and it's on on literally triangulating so that everybody who's coming to the comedy cellar it hits everyone. They get a crack at them. Mm. I don't know. I'm got, I got used to it. Used to, used to infuriate me, and now I'm. Have you guys I'm talked? Now I want to have a drink. Wait, have you? Have you talked about this yet? Yeah, yeah, we, we had a big fight about it. it. So what happened? About it, we had coffee over it. We drank, we, we, and it didn't change at all. I, well, what happened? Well, is I, what happened is I didn't know there was a new law saying that these guys had to be licensed. Yeah, and now well, that, I, now that I, really makes a difference. Well, now I have something to. Yeah, no. yeah. Wait till we'll try to get the city to enforce it because we've tried to have that done too. But here's the thing. First of all, two points I want to make on this. One. Um, is a lot of times Fridays and Saturdays we're sold out the day before and and, and, and uh, online sales and so stuff why like are you that. guys still out there on Friday Saturday nights because we got to sell the twelve thirty show you know <laughs> but but they're, they're they're out there early I don't know you know I don't know why well, my, but, my and maybe. the second point is Al Martin has single handedly <laughs> made the comedy seller more money in in their history my argument is until I came on to McDougal Street. One club, downstairs, that's it. <laughs> now he's got the village underground. He's got the black pussycat, the black cat pussycat. He, he, he may be right. Did I inspire you? you? He lit a fire in my ass. That's right, I lit a fire <laughs> I on I could his not ass. stand the idea of, a, of any, any customer it, that I couldn't exactly. fucking accommodate going to his place. Exactly. Al, so my, I my, tripled my seating. I <laughs> lit a fire under Gnome's ass, and he's doing better than ever, right? But let me ask you this question. Right. I just want to make one quick point about the street team, and my problem with the street team which has nothing to do with Noam's bottom line, um, is they don't know who the hell I am. Every time I walk past these people, they say, hey, you want to see comedy? Right. They've been on that street corner for two years. Yeah. And, and they see me every single day. And they don't know who the hell I am. Now, I know I'm not famous. I've accepted that. But for God's sakes, man, I see you every day. So, Al, you need to hand out my headshot to, to these people so that they don't harass me. We'll have to I think one that. guy finally figured out not to ask me to come see a comedy show. Right. <laughs> but anyhow. So, so now Rebecca's had a little club levity is, to this. The, the, all these clubs are in the borough of Manhattan, and Rebecca's club's out in Long Island City. So far which away. Is, so far. Which is and Queens. It's, uh, it Queens, is. It's right? in Queens. Yeah. It's one stop on the 7 from Grand Central. They, and do you, I mean, do you feel in some ways, what are the advantages and disadvantages of your club being there well, versus here? I'm the redheaded stepchild of all of the, of all of the no, club. It makes it, not. no, I really am because it, it makes it a lot harder to get people to come over the bridge. I mean, it took an act of Congress to get Bobby Kelly to come to the Creek in the Cave. But once he came, he was like, oh, this is so close. Oh, what the fuck? You know yeah, what I mean? And, is, and yeah. now he's been there like 10 times. So it, it, it's, it's a bigger challenge to get people to come out the first time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to lure people out. People are begging to come to them. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a it's a completely different dynamic. And what is the Lord? How do you do that? How, what are you saying? I offer them more stage time than anybody does. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, I try and be strategic about my asks, so I pay attention to when they're doing what, where. So like, if there's a special coming up, I know they want to warm up. I offer them anything they want. So it's artist first. If they want to do a no invite, no ad advertise, I don't care. That's totally fine. Shows can be free or they can charge. I don't care. Any, you know what I mean? It's anything goes that's going to help them. Because I want the folks that are sort of the elders, the ones that have been there for a while, to think of the creek as their dojo, to come in and just sort of like... Mm. You brush up and get on. You know what I mean? But that's how Colin used it when he was developing on Constitutional. And that was like one of the most effective uses of the space. It's yeah. the reason why I bought the place. Do so. you find that your regulars are regulars now? I mean, you're having like... Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. You, you don't want to be a Manhattan? I mean, doesn't every girl dream? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, sure, I would love to. I'm sure that that comes with a tremendous amount of challenges as well. I mean, I, I, I sit on my community board in my neighborhood. I love Long Island City in particular. I wish that I could uh, preserve it because I don't like sort of like the road it's headed towards. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I would prefer to be in Manhattan. It would make it a lot easier for me if I had a spot that was a block away from the stand and I could put a street team in front of their place. I'll make the argument. Because <laughs> <laughs> Al can tell you how to find a room. It all Manhattan. comes back to Al. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, Paul, the whole Paul, city Paul. of Manhattan, you couldn't have found another Paul, location. You, you, you had me there for a minute when you were talking about the, the comedy boom, hmm. and then we kind of got off that. Is there a comedy boom, and do we expect it to, to last? I thought that uh, ended I make the fine. argument, no, there's not a comedy boom why, right now. Why do you feel like I that? think there's far too many comedy Bre clubs in Manhattan. Bre Way too many. Oversaturation. Well, uh, Way oversaturation. What there is is a comedy cellar boom. Yeah. Well, and Noam is in the middle know. of it, and to him it looks like a tremendous boom because yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's adding onto his house. <laughs> not giving any boom. friends with money to his friends. But, um, and that's another discussion. Why is the comedy cellar booming but in, in, why do you uh, think it is no uh, i don't i don't that's what i'm in, in, inquiring about I mean, is there is there an industry-wide but, but, but no is but it no, just, you're the ago, only you're the i don't think when greenwich chris, village is sold chris, out people come let's, to the let's cellar get chris in on this i mean chris where are you in terms of the con are you feeling pretty steady business is there a boom in your mind or yeah no it's been it's been steady and it's growing yeah. you know i mean it's tough to know if there's an actual boom because every club is different but yeah it's it's been good yeah you know Chris, yeah. you know, way back in the day, you decided on a, a, a headliner format mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, Al's rooms and Noam's rooms, which are, uh, you know, a showcase that is everybody does 15 minutes yep. and there's maybe five people. Whereas you have a headliner come in, do 45 minutes and with a couple of opening acts. Correct. And it, it, why did you decide on that particular format when you were going into it? Economics. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, in the old location, you know, we were selling out every show. So it got to the point where I said, this is crazy. I'm. I can only see 140 people here and I'm turning away business left and right. Um, and I happen to know a real estate broker and, he, and just was, the time was perfect. He said to me, Hey, you know what? The space coming available. Would you be interested in expanding Gotham? And I said, yeah. And when I looked at the size of the room, I said, you know what? This room is more conducive to doing headliners, you know? Um, but why is that? Just size wise, you know? But why? I mean, I'm, I'm asking it honestly, why is that more conducive? Well, you know, three hundred draw more people that way. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, but three hundred seems to be the magic number for headliner rooms. You know, so just kind of. So, so in other words, there's a there's a bigger. You can sell more tickets with a headliner than you can with showcase format. Well, or at, at if you got the right headliner, the yeah, 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 right? yeah. I mean, it's it depends on who it is. Do you ever you have, have you ever had second thoughts about moving to the bigger room? No, no. 
No, you know, I mean, it's it, it's a good space. I'm comfortable there. It's it, it's on 23rd Street, so yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy in the space. You know, um, there's a lot more flexibility with that space too. You know, and you're using it for TV too. You have the Access Show, which yeah. is a nice form of advertising. Yeah, yeah listen, it, it helps, and, and and it was built that way. It's, it's you've got a, the height for the TV. cameras, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a TV. We put the lighting grid in, so it just it, it was easy. You know, so so people understand this. Your club on Twenty Second Street was tucked away in the middle of a fairly like mellow block. When I was always, and I don't mean this as a joke, but like, what were you doing? to get that place to that point where it was so busy all the time, because it's not like a lot of foot traffic. It's not a destin. It's, it's not a destination at night for people to go hang out other than the one club down the street. That's you know what? It was just uh, putting on good shows, giving people good service. Yeah. You know, th that's really it. Yeah. You know, paying attention to what was going on, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and look, it, it was a lot different 21 years ago. I mean, there's a lot more clubs now, you yeah. know, I mean, 21 years ago, there wasn't a lot, yeah. you know? There are at least three clubs in the city right now that I would think you would think would be in serious financial problems, you know, based on the attendance that I hear about mm -hmm. and, and what's which, going on. And which what's three? Going <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, there's three. There's two, uh, two on the east side and uh, one on the west side, I guess we could put it that way, you know, yeah. and, and um, you know... It's just comic after comic will come in and tell me, oh, you know, it's quiet, it's quiet, it's slow, it's, you know, you could tell by the format of what they're doing at some of the clubs. It's like virtually every show now is mixed with headliners and and a couple of for the bringer comics. So it's... Well, look, you well just like quickly explain what a bringer is. That's when a, a newer comic has to bring, say, three or more, or more, or whatever the number is, friends, to sit in the audience, and that's just a way for newer comics right. to get on stage. It's also a way for clubs to get asses in the seats. They're relying on the comedians to invite their friends. So this is a way that a club that might not be booming gets asses in the seats. How is the city with you guys in terms of supporting... Can you go for city support, like financial, like, in a, you know, your, your small business? No, this is a very unfriendly. Between the building department, the fire department. Every time you invite the city department. to write you a check, they also will invite all of their inspectors to come check the place out first. The city it's is an enemy of business. It's never a good idea. And the buildings, Correct. and every single building in New York City is currently crumbling. It's... Uh, it, the climate in Manhattan, and I'm sure in the Long Island City, it's it's hard. I mean, yeah. you know, the rents are through the roof. Yep. You know, insurance is through the roof, and it, it's only getting. I have a good broker, by the way. If you need one, anyway, good. I, I finally found a good tourist broker. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, so it's hard. I mean, I, you sometimes talk to people that think about opening a comedy club in the city, and it's like, listen, <laughs> good luck. You know, I mean, it's. It's a minefield. A, yeah, it, it's a hard business. Talk, talk about comics. There was a, a COMIX. There was a club on 14th and the meatpacking district. And Rest they, in peace. They, yeah, they put a ton of money into they it. Sure it was did. a beautiful club. I bought their chairs. <laughs> did you really? At auction, I did. Yeah. It was, um, I don't know if you, I know if you've been to it, if you ever saw it. Comics? Yeah. C -O yeah I, the name I, of the club I, was COMIX yeah. Comics. And, yeah. it, and it, on paper, it seemed like it made sense. Incredibly busy down in that area. The right kind of demo of customers you would want. Yep. And they couldn't. They right, couldn't kind of get it, has, it has. I could tell so you. You guys are the experts. What, I could tell what, you the what didn't work there? The problem there is it had what I call South Beach, Florida exactly. syndrome. Exactly. South Beach, Florida what? South syndrome. Beach, Florida syndrome. South Beach, hip area, the, the demographics you talk about, everything. But people going to South Beach, the last thing they want to see is comedy. They want to hit nightclubs. They yeah. want to hit yeah. 
clubs where they can party. And it's the same thing cool in for school. Comedy right. is not cool in that sense. The people that come to see comedy right. are many, many are tourists. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Many are comedy fans that are not in the meat packing district going to fancy you know exactly. clubs like that. Exactly. And plus the fact that the rent, I guess, was ridiculous and they tried to make it very uh, it was a beautiful room and and the comics enjoyed uh, going I didn't, in. I didn't they put so much money on well in any case it was an expensive very well appointed room i gotta like tell a, you that showroom the main showroom it had was really well nice done. flow it, it, to it yeah it, it was very well seating. built but it was so well, much one so might much argue money. that the best comedy room is low-key and 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 more you know intimate they, and homey but they found a way for people listening i think dan would agree uh the the best rooms for comedy tend to be wider than deep low ceilings intimate and they made a 350 seat room make it, and they made it feel like the comedy cellar room or the or stadium has it, room. Felt, it felt like it felt closer they're out of business gnome you can say nice things about it now <laughs> no they, i mean well, it was, but, I mean? but it was more it was way more sprawling than that like it, it, right. it was more closer to how caroline's it, is but bigger i, I, I looked like a law a school larger classroom stage, I mean, a bigger you looked yeah, it looked like a law school classroom it did arena style yeah i i built it that way to film that's but then you it. played it. What did you think? I, I like it, first of all, for a couple of reasons. Number one, no one wasn't using me at the time. So, <laughs> um, so and they were. And I was grateful for anybody that was using comics. me at the time. So, um, you know, but I also, they were very nice to comics. Mm -hmm. uh, they, I believe they had a 100% a off menu okay. until they decided they could no longer <laughs> afford that. And it was 50% off. South Beach Syndrome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it was good food, and it was a nice place. And they always managed to hire very attractive wait staff, which yeah. is a critical component of comedian yeah. happiness. Look, at the end of the day, the other big they, they were nice guys, they loved mm. comedy, and they wanted to open a nice room. It just didn't work yeah. out, you know, and there were, there were a lot of reasons, yeah. you know. And the guys who bought uh, bought that out and took the name up to uh, Fox was now Mohegan Sun are doing well. But the other thing they banked on, and it got Caroline's upset from what I understand, is they were going after big corporate business. Like, they created a kitchen like the size of a football field, and yeah. their idea was, their business model, part of it was, right. we're going to get... Uh, why is Carol? I think they're thinking was why is Caroline's the only club in the city that's tapping into corporate? For people listening, a lot of times corporations left seminars a couple of days. They want entertainment, so they use comedians. And Caroline's is set up really well to to serve that kind of thing. Well, there were two. I think Chris's room is is in that market as well. Now so. you are, yeah, yeah, but certainly. but but uh, Not you know then, it's though. like that. for some reason they thought they could tap into that, right? I don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot they. They tried to buy their way into it, uh, and they hired good people. And look, if you looked at it on paper, where they were going to be, what they were doing, it made sense that it was going to work. Yeah. You know? Why but, do you think it didn't work? Well, I think Al made a very good point. The people that go out in the meatpacking district are too cool for school. They weren't interested in a comedy club, you know. They're there and, to get And I late. think actually yeah. being in that area hurt them because it was so crowded down there. The people actually that wanted to go to the comedy club deterred them. You know, the traffic was so bad you couldn't park anywhere. So that hurt them, you know, and then you're coming into a market with Caroline's was very established and already had a lot of the headliners booked. You know, we were open for already at that point, 11, 12 years, right. had relationships with comedians, you know, so. So, so you're getting a foothold with the, with the well, best talent. Right. You'd have to buy your way into the market, you know, so if you, let's say you had a headliner that was making $5,000 a weekend. Well, if you want to get that guy to go leave Caroline's, maybe you have to pay him ten or fifteen thousand. So if you're overpaying for talent, five or ten thousand, and you're doing it every weekend, you start adding that up, it's costing you five hundred thousand, seventy thousand dollars a year more than you should be paying. You know, so it's not a sustainable business See, model. With headliners, I wonder. With, with headliners, I never, I never fully understood it, and, and I've thought about it because we thought about doing headliners from time to time. Is I always wondered if you're building a reputation for the club 
or it's just attached to the headlines, like Madison Square Garden. So if uh, if Natterman plays Gotham, then he draws that crowd. But then the following year, he plays comics. Those people go to comics as opposed to what what I try to do, which is on our brand is the is the club. People don't even know who's performing there when right. they when they decide they want to come. Well, Chris, I, if I'm wrong, tell me. But I mean, I had like well, hold on. So, yeah, and, sure. and you might have benefited from both in the sense that you started with a smaller room and then grew into a bigger room. You, there you was already name, you, no, man. You're right. There was already a name brand there. Um, you know, also part of it wasn't just like I, I want to use a headline to bring people in. Just who, if somebody likes a particular comic and wants to see him do a longer set, see him do an hour, an hour and five. Why not? But you already yeah. had goodwill as Gotham, which, the, which but, they had to try to hit the ground running. So, and some, had, had had those some headliners Thanks, will fill the room with their fans, <clears throat> and other headliners maybe, you know, uh, I mean, I headlined Gotham a while back, and I'm pretty sure most of the people weren't there for me. I think they were there because Gotham has, has that reputation. And, uh, and also, so, so I mean, nobody it, was going to comics except based on the name of whoever it is. Yeah, but, the, but, the, but that's a good point because the other issue with comics in the beginning was they weren't booking the room properly. They were booking like headliners that you book on the road that didn't really kind of connect. For exactly. New York it was City. almost like a road room in New York City. And, I mean, how and, and, then they, and then they figured that out, but it was too little too late. But I was going to say, and I think he's right. Go ahead. What was I going to say? You were going to say how many people can really fill Yeah, it? that's what I was going to say. Yeah, how many? How many? All right, well, you got, you're right. How many? Yeah, how many, Chris... Uh, Headliners really in New York City can fill your room. In New York City or just in, in general? Well, in, well listen. In, New, in your room, how many comics enough, can you know fill what? your room? I just, it, it wasn't, the business wasn't built on having to sell out every show, you know, because some headliners make, fail. you know, $2,000 a weekend and some make 100000 a weekend. So, you know, you can make more money with a guy you're paying two thousand dollars to. Let's say he's averaging two hundred a show, two fifty a show. Well, you know, you don't need to do three hundred show because you're not paying the guy a lot. And you're doing you're yeah. doing good money in 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 liquor and food and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. The problem with meatpacking too is that all the places that are successful. This is down Kristen, there are, by the way. Are, well, our listeners certainly know Kristen. They are well, based well. on the illusion of exclusivity, and you that does not work in comedy. Like you're not making a comedy club that is being very restrictive of who they're letting in the door aside from right you know people who are drunk or whatever yeah. but in terms of you know appearance etc so if you're going to fit into that mold in meatpacking to me right away comedy just yeah does not mesh with that yeah that's a good you know again, you need steve rubell outside the door yelling at people exactly. to <laughs> you know those guys were smart guys you know i, I know them fairly well mm. I, I think, you know, they love comedy. Mm. They built a beautiful club. It just, you know, the timing was off. And, uh, you know, it was difficult. Because, listen, they didn't know at that time that I was moving and going to do headliners too. Right. You know, they didn't know that. They thought, well, you know, Caroline's the only game in town. Mm. Let's give them a run for their money. Mm. Well, also, I think a lot of people, they, I think those people that opened go comics, I believe they made a lot of money in another business. I think, if, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes people... When they make money in a lot of in, in one business, they think that they're geniuses at every business, and they say, "Well, I could do a comedy club." I could be president, and, and they don't realize that comedy club is 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 tricky. And um, and there's also the allure of entertainment and being around people you see on TV, and I, that that could be part of it too. Now, just to be clear, the people that run comics and own it now, it's a different group of people than the guys that owned it before. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, that there's sort of like, hey, if I conquered this, I can conquer that. You know. And then they get their head handed to them yeah. in a major way. Yeah. When, when, we, when you do get a chance, I do want to throw out to the floor this feud that I'm having with the guys at the stand. 
Oh, you and do. See okay. What the, well, what let me just uh, let me just reset here for those listening. This is uh, Raw Dog Channel ninety nine, the Comedy Seller Show, and well, he we says I shouldn't. and we. Hmm? So he says I shouldn't bring. Yeah, well, okay, and we are uh, we are having a really cool conversation with. I don't think it's ever happened before, right? No. Where well, you guys have gotten together. So the we're major club history. owners in New York City. The last are time here. was when uh, the the, com the comedians were going on strike and they wanted more money. That's <laughs> right. the last time we were all that's in the right. same room right. together. Damn, yeah. we're gonna get to that, right? Uh, that's Noam Dorman, owner of the Comedy Cellar. I have Al Martin. Uh, we have uh, Broadway Comedy Club and uh, Greenwich uh, uh, the Village. Uh, the the Greenwich, <laughs> screw sorry. up the name. Village, right? <laughs> sorry, uh, Rebecca Trent, the Creek in the Cave. Uh, uh, Dan Natterman, Kristen Montella, and uh, Chris Mazzilli, owner of the of Gotham. Um, why don't we, you want to get into the stand thing now? I, well, if you really think I shouldn't? Why not? No, why not? Well, you know, it's your show. I mean, to start out with it, there is a this kind of polite pretension that we're not competitors, and and I, I mean, do you think we're competitors, Al? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do? Chris, mean, you think we're competitors? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're, you're, we're in the same business in the same city, so yeah, I mean, but me personally speaking, I, I'm not out to compete with any particular club. My feeling is, look, I'm going to run my business the way I run my business, and if I run it the right way, I'm going to make money. You know, I'm not, not that I'm not aware that there are other clubs or what other clubs are doing, but I just focus on my own house and taking care of my house and doing the best I can do at that particular place. I, I agree with you, but, but what I what I'm I guess what I mean is that when you have a uh, four people, two couples that want to let's go out and see comedy tonight, they survey the the landscape of available comedy choices. One of them is going to be Gotham. One is going to be New York. One is going to be the Comedy Cellar. Correct. And then we're all competing. We want them you to decide to go to us. Yes. So if they decide for me, that's bad for him, and, and and so that makes us competitors. So. There was a thing with the stand. Stan didn't want to come on the show, and I like those guys. Anyway. Just to back up the stand, uh, so people listening, the stand. Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong. A ye couple of years ago, kind of came into being like five over years ago. I feel like there was is it long? 2012. 2012. It was the same year as Greenwich. Yeah, five years ago. So they are uh, they are uh, not terribly far from. They're sort of on the east side of uh, their lower part of Manhattan in the twenties. They're, they're not terribly far from Comedy Cellar. Yeah. So they, I, I invited them on the show, and they and they didn't want to do it. And they, is it because I'm on? No, <laughs> that's what I heard. So what happened was that, like, what was like a year and a half ago, too. They they somehow became the bookers for the Tonight Show, or the, or their. That's correct. Yeah. Why? Why you? This is just. I love this. Keep going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca said. So you know, in in the sense that we're we're competitors. I I, I mean. I have nothing personal against them. I don't. There's no character aspersions. Nothing. It's just, oh, they they're going to be booking this tonight show. That's not necessarily a good thing for the comedy seller because that can give them a foothold and an energy and a momentum among talent and that that, that uh, absolutely that can, terrifying. That can lead to something more. Well, at the expense well, uh, of the people that leaves okay, behind. Okay, hang on a second. I so, don't understand that a little bit, only because you guys don't have an exclusivity thing with us, right? So you're not saying that Dan Natterman, Dan, if you work the stand, you can't work here. And no, they're not saying no, that no, either. No, so, no. so, but hang on. So, what I don't understand is if they start booking Why the you Tonight mad? Show. I'm not. It's just okay, I'm Italian. That's what happens. <laughs> if, I start, if they start booking the Tonight Show, yeah. I don't know how that gives them any extra momentum but business -wise. With the comics, it does. Like, yeah, but, you I, know. But, but I'm not going to not because work your club. They'll prioritize that club. Over the other clubs. Thinking they'll get discovered there for the Tonight Show or whatever. And yeah. it has a synergy. The, the the public begins to follow. This is the club where the people go exactly. to see the to people on the Tonight Show. It's, okay. I mean, it's a, a lot of it's smoke and mirrors and magic. That's what PR is, you know. But it, but it, it's just so 
I mean, I wasn't panicking about it, but so then they contacted me and they wanted to know if uh, a, a pretty famous comic, I don't want to say his name, could do five minutes at the cellar, someone who's works at the cellar for years and traditionally just called up SD and we put him on. So they wanted us to put him on for five minutes to run his Tonight Show set. And I didn't want to, I, w- I was uncomfortable with that because I was afraid of it becoming, I, felt, I, th- I thought it kind of um, positioned us below them in a way. And I didn't want to become, a, as he put, a cog in their wheel where you know, they get together and then they'll be able to secure your sets that are on the thing. And I said, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I didn't want to do it. So I wrote them a text message, an email, and the answer was, uh, we should meet in person to discuss. I'm extremely reluctant to become involved in your enterprise with the Tonight Show. I'll be in tonight if you want to talk. That's what I wrote, for better or for worse. And this apparently quite insulted them. Did you know it at the time? No, I just found out when they didn't want to do this show. Right. And in that, they said that, uh, well, uh, uh, it, you, you can't be nice or, or have social grace the way Chris and Lou do. I guess I'm probably Lou from, yeah, from Caroline. Caroline's. But that's the way you are. I'm like, all right. So now I'm just wondering if everybody thought that I am wrong there. Now, listen, at the end of the day... It's your room. You can do whatever you want to do. And if you felt uncomfortable, you want to have a conversation, that's your prerogative. You Was know? it wrong to ask them to? Because they, they felt like we shouldn't have to meet you. I'm like, can I, I didn't say no. I wouldn't have dragged you down. I would have. I know myself. What I would have done was agreed to it, but registered. Look, I don't want this to become a regular I'm setting thing. Setting a precedent. Yeah. yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't drag them down for a meeting. And say no. I want, yeah. just want to tell you in person. Can, and and, and that's what I. That's what well, I wanted. And, and you would charge them for the How food, I look right? at this is, yeah. it's like sports. Yeah. You know. The Mets play the Yankees. The Mets play the Nationals. They compete with one another. Yeah. I don't dislike anybody in this room. I, it's good, healthy competition. You know, We're in a great business. I mean, I happen to like what I do, and I'm sure the people sitting around me do too. That's why we do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I recognize the fact that we're competitors, but I don't have any issue with you or Al, I mean, you know, or her or anybody else for that matter, or any other club. You know, And it's your right, owning this club, to put people on if you want or question things and that's okay there's nothing do you, wrong with do you that. understand why they might have been insulted even though you don't feel it to be a rational response why he didn't say irrational but well i don't know or, well why yeah what do you do you kind of understand why they might have been insulted by noam's uh reluctance reluctance to put on this person listen you know what i mean i understand everybody's feelings because for me it, it wouldn't affected me but i'm not them and i don't know what's in their head you know i happen to know those guys i think they're, they're decent fellas you know i mean this is Chris Mazzilli. Have you ever felt threatened in any way in your... No, no, no. Well, I mean... No. When I... They're all strapped. You got to watch out. I mean, no, could, no. could it be... No, in, the, in, the, in your business of 21 years, have you been in this posi- position where you might feel threatened or in a position that you didn't want to be in? You know, listen, there's always competition in the business, you know, and uh, you want to win. That's it. Right. You know, and it's like, so threatened, no, but I'm aware, like, perfect example, we were talking about comics earlier, you know, I could tell you that was the last fucking thing I wanted to happen when I'm going to open a new room and mm-hmm. I find out that somebody else is opening a room similar in size and it's going to try to do the same thing that I'm doing. Was I thrilled about it? No, but you know what? They have a right to go do that. And if that's what they want to do, then I got to run my business that much better, you know, to compete with them. Well, you know, in microcosm, I don't know if that's the I, right I word, 100%. but, um, you know, as comedians, of course, we're in competition. Me, mm-hmm. you, Mr. Mercurio. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's X number of spots at the Comedy Cellar. 
For every spot you do, I'm necessarily not going to do. And for every TV role you get, I'm necessarily not going to get. Right. And for that reason, I hate you. <laughs> I asked you to be in my HBO thing, and it was to play. Just can I tell you, side? I was in this HBO sports comedy series, and I called you up. I was on the road, and I'm standing in the hotel. Yeah, I remember that. And I and, this, and, it, and I needed you to play the Jewish guy around the table with a, with a, a various minorities. And he said to me, "I'm really no, it's too Jewish for me. I'm trying not to do too many Jewish roles." And I had to say to you, "You look and sound fucking Jewish." Like what? I mean, it was, and so. Uh, you had a role I offered you. Well, you said, no. I, I remember it. I don't recall. Ex- I think I read it and felt that it was too over the top Jewish. Um, you, you know what it is? Maybe it could have been, you know, you get, depends what mood you get me in. Now, I remember once VH1 called me up for their Jewtastic weekend. You know, VH1, I don't know if they still do. Is that even on the air? VH1? Is that existing? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's um, still a channel. But, but they used to do these things where it was like Best Week Ever, where they had talking heads, right. or I love the 80s. Now, nobody loves the 80s more than me, but they didn't give a fuck, and right. I never got to do that show. Right. The only time they, but, but everybody else, you know, they had Michael Ian Black, and he, you know, who, who has contempt for the 80s. It was clear. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't? But, because but, that's his ad. I love the 80s. Why didn't you ask me to do I love the 80s? The only time they called me up was to do their Jewtastic weekend. Mm. They called me up and said, we want Dan to do our Jewtastic. Okay, I would have done your stupid Jewtastic weekend, but the, the only time you call me up is to do your Jewtastic weekend. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah, but wait and a you give me one. But, I, I love but the, hang on, if I were I, your manager, I'd be like, you know what? I know you're pissed and you don't want to do yeah. this, but go in. My manager crush said it, that. Crush it. My manager said And they'll that. use you other ways. But and I, frankly, you know, I don't believe in the crush it and use you in other things. Um, I don't believe in that theory. I believe in the come to me with respect. If you treat me like I'm shit to begin with. In your mind, I'm shit, and I'm never going to prove otherwise. But why very is that hard shit? To, it's very hard to change perception yeah. in this why business. Because you, you only call me. I don't want to get too into this because it's nothing to do with the discussion. For but the same you reason, only, you don't want to be cast as the Jew all the time. He doesn't yeah, want to be cast as you. You, you turned it down. If every you time, if every things? time they call, no, I, no, no, I was cast. No, have you it. been listening? Oh, oh no, I, I, I created. <laughs> I created a show. Or are you, for HBO you think, he's still thinking about the stand? You know? still, if <laughs> every time you got called for a role, and I know people who are in this position, it was now this wouldn't necessarily apply to you, but I know a guy. Every time they call, every single time, we want you to be a, an Italian thug. Every eventually, like you know, I, enough. Yeah, you but know, you say every single time, like you're getting calls left and right. right. No, you're the, the only o- person who the turned, only time. Well, that's a, roles. The, all right. the only right, time so they get, call me. Let's, let's but I don't want to. Let's talk about this on yeah. our show because we'll so, your, all right. But if you have a role for for a, for a handsome fraternity, a uh, big man on campus, they are. Not I'm there. All right, good. Okay. <laughs> so how do you see this thing with the stand playing out? No, I don't know. I just, I, I, I was actually, I always liked those guys and I was really taken aback. Steven knows. And By the way, Steven Calabria is here. I'm sorry to introduce you. He's off mic, but he uh, worked with Noam to put all this together. And I, so. and I was really surprised. And then I, and then I began to think, well, maybe, maybe I did do something wrong. You know, maybe I wasn't able to see it as it was interpreted. And that's why I brought it up. Well, I your know. business has never been better. Do you feel? Do you at all feel threatened by that club on some level? Of course, I. I threat, listen, I, I said. Maybe that's recently, not the right word. I don't know. All the no, all it. the big famous companies that see falls that 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 see their business pulled out from under them at some point became arrogant and overconfident, and they and they didn't fully uh, respect the threats on the horizon. So I take everything very seriously. Well, I'm not pessimistic. No, I don't, um, what? He's, he's what I call a financial hypochondriac. <laughs> <laughs> he knows nothing about me. Um, it's not financial. You know, uh, one must be vigilant, but if you go to the doctor every week with a tumor, uh, or because you think you have a cancer, that's not healthy either. And I think that Noam is, feels the end Listen. is near 
every week. If Colbert... But it feels, but a, a business in New York City feels like it's built on a house of cards. Do you understand? Like no. it feels like one mistake, one drunk person having a heart attack in a room, and I, I like I don't know what could happen. No, you know what I mean? if, it's if, if, if the Colbert Show wanted us to start booking their mm -hmm. comedians for them, I would feel very awkward about calling Chris and say, "Hey, you know, can you put this guy in for five minutes for me? Because we put on time." I should be like, you know, he's not gonna. Why do you want to do that for me? It's like this is my thing. Would, would you respond that way, Chris? No. I'd say, yeah, put him on. Yeah, but I, I, I don't even think I would ask. You're such a dick. No. Well, I, could I ask, would you, if the comic had asked instead of the no, boys, that's what I would said, you I, have said but yes? I, the comic asked, I'd be fine. That's, I didn't, so what's was, the difference? He was, it was creating a new middleman between someone who we already had a relationship with, always performed at the cellar. Yeah, but that like doesn't that. mean after that this person was always going to go through them to just come in and do a spot just to do a spot. They, no, it's actually, just the perception of it. I can understand I what, he's what he's saying, though, saying. because once he does this it is the Al first Martin. time, there's going to be a second call and a third call. And it before you know, it's a routine. Before we you we know book it, you and now you, you have five minutes to tell her, five minutes here and five minutes there. I don't want that. Before you know him, Noam is back. This is the kind of business you give an inch and people take a yard. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They really Every do. kind of business. But it, it I, th I find it funny that the last week or was it two weeks ago, we were talking about this and Noam said, you've got to be vigilant. The per you know, to quote Bob Dylan, the loser now is later to win. Noam felt he's got to be constantly vig vigilant about his position slipping that very night. Seinfeld, Chris Rock, um, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle, Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer, and Aziz all performed at the comedy club, and it was in all the papers. So That's I just right. thought that was kind of a funny yeah. juxtaposition. You know, I'm saying the sky is falling, and now he's on the bed. And said the sky is falling. All right, you can't explain. What? I think only people who own businesses get what I'm saying. I understand what you're well, saying, but I, I also think you need to be a little bit. Remember when Obama said you didn't build that, and, and business right. owners went crazy? I think you need to be a little bit less, a little bit more comfortable in your position, a little bit more. You realize a little bit more the, the strength the, of your position Listen, currently. I don't know if you did I have to read the text. I didn't say no. I, I said, I think we should no, meet in person. I, I wanted to express but you also said where my head was you at. Also I didn't said say no. that you, you, but you also said that one of your reasons is, is that companies always have to be vigilant and can never rest on their laurels, which is... Well, people, people want to get on in the cellar. Uh, I don't want this to be a conduit. I just don't. I don't. I don't want to be involved it, in anyone else's business. But it, at the point where 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 it becomes a regular thing, where some other organization is booking comics into the cellar but for the, the Tonight Show. I am now the odd man out, and they're using and benefiting from me, and I don't want to do it. But the comic that they came to you with, and we're not going to gonna mention it. his name, could have can work here anytime he, he wants. Well, that's what it's happened. He thing. he eventually called SD himself, and he went on. But so, but that part of your which was so a much that, better so, outcome but, for me. So, but the, but that part of your argument doesn't hold water because he it wasn't going to that kid wasn't that guy wasn't going to get here only through them. He was he can get, he could just pick up the phone on his own. So, but I think that's I, what I, that's exactly I think that was the point, point though. Is that they already have the relationship? <laughs> it's like it's like if my if Jermaine Fowler called uh, had his agent or manager call me for I a spot instead dude. of him just calling me. Do you know what I mean? It would be Fowler. weird. He, uh, he, was on, uh, he was at Arlene's Grocery uh, last week. So when you say a house of cards, like any, any minute, Rebecca, you were like, this is a house of cards having a business like this in the city. Because well, I mean, because you're up. fighting that and also like the just the, the regulations, the inspectors, the fire department. The, I mean, hell, we're living Al in a Martin. city where the, where the damn manhole covers explode. And buildings are going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Harlem, like a whole block in Harlem, just poof, Second Avenue, it's just gone. You know what I mean? Like, so we're, and, and Long Island City is also suffering from major infrastructure fatigue because we've grown so big in such a short uh, period uh, of time. Our, our Burger Calabria believes that your club is the future of comedy. Oh, well, I appreciate that's, that's that. He, Very, is, that, is that true? Right. Really? The future? Talk about that. Why, why do you feel that way? You said something like that. 
<laughs> he's I'm, I'm, I'm he's backpedaling. I'm not being facetious. <laughs> Tell her what you said. What I said was that if there is any legitimate threat to the establishment that is the comedy clubs in Manhattan, it's probably going to be something out in Brooklyn or out in Long Island City because those places are developing so fast. Yeah. And it would follow that it would be something like Creek or uh, Union Hall. Right. In Park Slope. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I put it that it is specifically going I'm to I'm the future free. of comedy, but just it, it to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Now you're a gnome He's site. Backpedaling. Did it. He's backpedaling. He's backpedaling, and I'm going to find You continue, I'll find it for him. You're the new stand in his But that, that said, you know, that said, we're, we're, we're in a room now here with uh, about 70 years of comedy club experience. Um, so, you know, th- th- it is it is tricky. Uh, House of Cards may be overstating it, but... You know, Mazzilli's been making uh, making uh, a good living, I assume, for 22 years. Al's been in the game 30 years. Noam, this club's been around for, you know, since 1982. Yeah, Rebecca's 80, 11 years. I mean, you guys aren't dummies. I mean, I, I agree with Dan. I, I mean, I know every business is a house of cards, but I think you guys all have pretty solid businesses. I mean, that we're outsiders looking in, but... But, you know, I want to ask comedians I want to ask are like Kristen. that too. We always think next year, you know, this year we did okay and we paid our bills. Next year we're right. going to make, and yet twenty years later, somehow, still we're on. still doing it. Yeah, I know, I know. Krista, uh, yeah. you worked at the Comedy Cellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your perspective, and you've been involved, you've been part of it for years. Why do you think this club has really been booming lately and now has three rooms from the way it's run on the inside? As much as it really pains me to give Noam personal compliments, as he knows. <clears throat> I will say um, it does pain her. <laughs> really I mean, does she, just, she just threw up in her mouth. It's really hard for me to see. I got all for clump there. Um, it, I think a large part of it is just his personal involvement in the business. You see, I don't um, see I don't, it that way. Yeah, I don't see him doing anything. I, I <laughs> you, how is Dan? You can't say that. I cannot, or I can. You cannot say that. I worked with Noam side by side for almost ten years, and he is. He eats, breathes, and sleeps the business. I mean, you could reach him. It's been, it's changed more recently. Now the torches, a lot of it has been passed to Liz, who doesn't sleep. But before <laughs> this kids, this is Liz Ferrati. She's the GM. She's sitting here. Before Lovely. kids and before you know, Noam's no, I, I give family. Noam credit for the decisions that he's made, but yeah. not necessarily for the hours that he's put in. I think he's worked smart, but not necessarily. What does it matter? That's semantic. I mean, what does it matter? He works hard either way. Time. Oh, I ain't coal mining. That's the point. Okay. In addition to that, and I think everybody here works hard at their business, and I give you that. So w- there's got to be other th- other things on top of that. Like, so or, or what is it that he does in particular that you think, well, think has been the difference maker? In terms of the the comics as well, I think there's a line of kind of at least when I was here, I always saw there were always you know the more established comedians around the table, and then you always had like this side table where the lesser known comics kind of sad and then slowly but surely those people would feed into the bigger, you know, the more established table and new people would join. So there seems to also be a sense of, um, I, I don't want to say family because that sounds so cliche, but there were, I noticed a lot of more established comedians recommending um, lesser known comedians to Esty. Esty's another big part of it. I mean, I think she She's no, the booker of the comedy, right, of the comedy she, seller. I mean, no one will. Essie's a huge part of it. Yeah, she's a huge part of it. Um, so I think there is a sense of just kind of, it. it doesn't get stagnant. The talent doesn't get stagnant. I mean, from, you know, I, when I was here 10 years ago, I don't even see, you see once in a while one or two names that are the same that were on the lineup then. 
And it's not that those people aren't successful. It's just that there's constantly a flow of new talent and the shows are different from, you know, the there is a Natterman theory that it's just dumb luck. No, no, and, no, and 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 then there's the the theory that we have something to do with it, and probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. In you know, middle, we've yeah. been... and real estate. Well, I I never denied you. I never denied. You. I, never denied yeah. I never denied your role, but I also think there are a lot of serendipitous factors that were involved. And I like to rib you. Obviously, that's part of my shtick. But um, <laughs> listen, I do think there's a lot of serendipity. Very Jewish, though. I, I do think that, that, that there is. Thank you, Paul. I do think that there is. There were several serendipitous factors, and we've discussed that. Yeah, of course. What were they? Number one is this, uh, you know, it started off as a restaurant before it was a comedy club. And then Bill Grunfest came in one day and said, hey, let's do a comedy club here. So the, the idea that there was a restaurant upstairs and a comedy club downstairs was pretty, uh, pretty much uh, a, a just, it just serendipitous. And that restaurant creates an environment where comics like to hang out. So if a comic wants to do a comedy club, they want to go to a place where they can hang out. And that's part of it. Another part of it is a location. Uh, you know, it's a tremendous, tremendous location. Location's not everything. Then from that, you know, um, then Louis put it on his show. Now, part of the reason Louis put it on his show was because it was a successful club. But then it became more successful because Louis put it on his show. Mm. And then I think, you know, um, I, so I think those are, the, those are some of the, 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 the more luck yeah. no, that's, factors that's, that's involved. And then, and then Noam did a lot of smart things as well. And Noam's father did a lot of yeah. smart things. Just real quick, we are, this is uh, Raw Dog Channel 99, the Comedy Cellar show. This is a special show, I guess we could call it, with all the comedy, uh, most of the comedy club owners in New York City, Al Martin, Broadway Comedy Club, uh, Noam Dorman, the uh, Comedy Cellar owner. Dan Natterman, comedian, and uh, Rebecca Trent. Can I, I can't find it. I remember with texting you, but what Stephen Chris said Mazzilli. was, and I and I he's a hipster, you know. So I I take him. <laughs> no, really. So I take. I, Calabria is not as a much hipster. As, well, he well to, to me he's a hipster. So and I, as much as I want to dismiss him, I I I try to listen to it and take it seriously because he may have his finger on the pulse of things in a way I don't at my age. He said that he thinks in five years. That this part of Queens, which he said is basically North Brooklyn now, he said basically considered North Brooklyn, is going to become, uh, is going to grow to the point where it's competitive with Manhattan and the village, and that you are spawning a whole new generation of comics who are likely to feel their loyalty towards your place once they've hit it big, and that could make you like a center of gravity there. And then is that correct? Is that a, that's correct. Yeah. So that's so I that's mean, why I said I characterize that as a future of comedy. I, I didn't think I was. I, that's I, you know, uh, that's yeah. a lot of comics who live in, in Astoria and Long Island City. <laughs> well, there's not that many in Long Island City, actually, but there are a ton in Astoria. Yeah. There's a ton. I'm not sure why he didn't want to to to, uh, to to spell it out, but that's it what he said. It seemed like it made him very uncomfortable. It that did, compliment. right? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a nice thing. I don't know. It's like. Yeah. But thanks anyway. Yeah, I think part of the <laughs> issue, though, when you talk about like comics and where they're living, it's people can't afford to live in Manhattan anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, you it's, can't. It's, the rents are going up and up. Although, you know, it may start to change now because retail drives a lot. And you know, talking to like I have friends that are brokers, and with the way online sales are now, like Black Friday alone, sales were up three point six yeah. or three point eight billion over last year. Ret I mean, online retail, online, sales. online retail sales. Yeah. So yeah, what's what's happening is like a lot of your brick and mortar stores are going away. Yeah, you they know? don't need storefronts like, anymore. It, and if you look around the city now, there are a lot of stores for rent. Yep. A lot. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, take a, a walk on Bleecker. I mean, yeah. I've never seen so many empty stores yeah. in my life on Bleecker. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I had I almost lost my place on Third Street two years ago. And because uh, the landlord wanted to raise the rent, and I, 
I negotiated a deal where I, I agreed to leave early in the upstairs bar. Uh, I mean, don't get too complicated about it. And, and I gave them a year to market it. I was just so sure they weren't going to get, and, and luckily it worked out for me. And then, then I ended up getting the place back at a better deal than I would have gotten if I had tried to buy my mm -hmm. own place back from the landlord. So they tested the market and weren't able to get the rents that they, that they thought they could get. So it might have happened just at the right time. He's absolutely right. And it was that article that Larry Summers wrote. He says, how many people are going to build malls and retail space now in the age of Amazon? Yeah. How many people are going to build hotels in the age of Airbnb? Yeah. How many people are going to build manufactured taxi cabs right. in the age of Uber? Uber. It's like this is, everything is changing. But does that affect you guys? I mean, I, I, I understand that someone's not going to go to Macy's maybe to buy a sweater anymore, but... They yes. still want to go and well, be my landlord, my landlord on 53rd Street owns a decent amount of property, and he said to me that the uh, things are softening up. Things are softening up in terms of the market in, in Manhattan. It's yeah. bad news for you. Yeah. It's He's very bad you mean, news Rebecca, for me. Rebecca, why is it bad news for because, Rebecca? Because, because, because it levels the playing field. Manhattan, people are going to stay in Manhattan. People are going to go back to Manhattan because everybody wants to be in Manhattan. I mean, most of the people that live in Long Island City, especially when I first moved into that neighborhood, were angry folks who weren't able to make ends meet in Manhattan. So they compromised. They were like, all right, well, at least if I go to Long Island City, I can get a fucking dog. And that's where they that, that was that was what they were doing. We're it, was every, about, it was couples with dogs. We're talking about it. retail rent, not residential rent. Right. I, I, I know the residential no, rent is going. It's all, all related. I think what they're saying, right. if I get this right, I think what you're saying is if people aren't going out to shop more, there's less chance they're going to be around to walk in, get be walking traffic for you guys. Is that the issue? No. I mean, where I was going with is yeah, that I'm a total eventually it, it's going to, like, I don't know when Al leases up, but it's going to help Al, you know, yeah. or wherever. And, and no, I think you guys own this building. We own this building and I rent. I just got a brand new lease around the corner, but I rent around the corner. So at the end of the day, if the retail market is down, that's good for us because our rent will be less money. Yeah. You know? and, and, it's been, and it's been trending up for a long time. I right. mean, I'd say the past 20 years, you know, it's, it's been mm. trending up. And in my neighborhood, I run the risk of somebody coming to my building the guy who owns my building and just saying here i want the development deal and they're gonna they're gonna well, tear I, it down I think you know this what is I mean? what's so, happening to at least one of the comedy clubs on the east side if you look at that property is. from the outside it's one of the last pieces of uh avenue in manhattan where all all the buildings on the block are railroad buildings right. railroad flats so you look at it and the block is pretty desolate except for this one business and maybe another small one on the corner, it looks to me like the landlords or someone is warehousing. Yeah, and you should explain what warehousing means. Where they, it's basically they don't rent the apartments out, you know, right. So right. and they're waiting to they're, sell the building I mean, and knock is, it down. This right. is what, exactly. you know, the higher floors are going to have a gorgeous East River view. You right. know? I mean, so, yeah. you know, I, you can almost see it getting ready to happen. Two things I want to say. I don't want to be like the, the guy in Seinfeld who tells him to build a, a restaurant, you know, Pakistani restaurant. But I would think if I were in your situation. Rebecca, you're talking at, about Rebecca? At, yeah, I'm just, listen, I would never presume to say this except that it's a show like we're kind of kicking things around. I'd be like, I'm defying gravity in a location which by rights should not be sustaining a comedy club. The first opportunity I get, I'm going to move this or, or at least open another one in a proper location where I can have a, count on more of a secure future because you don't know what the hell. Yeah, I There's so. a flip side to that. And sometimes some businesses are more successful just being a little bit smaller, mm -hmm. a little bit... Not, more, I didn't mean bigger, but yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and they... If, 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 her rent, if her rent is good in that location, now she comes into Manhattan, it's maybe a different game that... 
course it's a different game. You know, game. a lot more rent, a lot more competition. Mm-hmm. You don't know. I mean, yeah. How do you, know. as comedy club owners, it seems almost like a, you know, almost like a commodity business. Um, that is to say, like at the airlines. You know, you don't care most people what airline they fly. They just, whoever's going there at the best price. It, it almost seems like it's hard to distinguish yourself. It's hard to create a product that's fundamentally different. And, uh, you know, so I, 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 how do you do that? Is, I guess is what I'm saying. Is how, how do you create, how do you make your product different than all these other products? And, you know, every I guess com- that gets, goes to well, booking, right? Obviously. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we have more Natterman. In the comedy, the real comedy boom, let's say, in the, when, when the cellar opened or even before that, what'd you have? Five clubs in Manhattan? You had the, the, the Strip, Strip, Danger Fails, Improv, improv Catch, catch yeah. you know, and, and the downtown room here. But you did, you know, five, six clubs, eight million population in New York. Is New York that much more than eight million? But now it's no. got three times the amount of clubs. More. With two more. of them being mega clubs, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I uh, mean, Cass, Cass, who here um, represents talent as well as books talent? Do you, you, you guys manage? Yeah. Is that, a, is that a difficult, is there a conflict of interest? I think the stand yes, they yeah, suffers they from a conflict of interest. In, in yeah, an that. argument could be made, yeah. Yeah. What, what what would be the conflict of interest from their perspective? It, well, because it gets difficult. Like if you're booking the night, the, the the if you're if you're booking the Tonight Show and you're and you represent comics and you own a club, now you have this sort of like right. It's a snake that right. eats itself. But they're not you know they're, I mean? they're not booking the Tonight Show anywhere. Do you still? No, no, no. That was a one year thing. Yeah, but, but do you still think if you're managing and own a club, there's a conflict of interest? I mean, I I have I have gone back and forth on that over and over and over again. I think that. It, I think that it depends on what kind of club you're running. No, I also think it depends on who the per- like. Look, I don't. When you talk about a conflict, what specifically is the conflict? Meaning that we would show favoritism to people that we manage. Is that what, right? The, the, I mean, what's the, wrong with that? The, no, the the ultimate uh, the, the 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 ultimate uh, cancer of the conflict of interest is when you end up sacrificing the quality of your show. To, in order to give the people you're managing stage. And that's time. a valid point, but. Yeah. And 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 then the other, but the flip side of that, like Barry Katz did that at Boston, but his whole goal was to to catch lightning in a bottle, have one of these guys hit it huge, and because it's ten times or a hundred times more money to be made that way than in running a club. So some people actually doing it, and and maybe that's what they're doing. Saying they're just they're just doing this until one because sooner or later one of these guys will hit it big. Well, first of all, I don't, if somebody's not ready to go into the club and I don't, we don't have a big roster, right. they don't go into the club. That's it. You know, and some of the acts that I represent don't even live here. So it's, it's a moot point. And the funny thing is one of the guys I represent actually works here more than he works at Gotham, Leonard Oots, you know? Um, so Dan, Dan, Dan offered him a hundred thousand dollars for his career. Uh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said, I, well, if I, if I had that kind of liquidity, I would certainly, uh, and I could trust him. I would pay him a hundred thousand and just for 10% of his money over the next 10 years. Oh, that was I think <laughs> anybody would. He's taking your 10%. He got that for free. <laughs> or, uh, well, or whatever. Maybe that. No, actually, Dove kind of jokingly offered it to him, and I, I concur that that would be a great investment. Well, everybody sees this guy as a, as a rocket ship, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I, I just don't think there's any way choice. that he yeah. can't make good money over the next ten years. You know, a lot of and money. But, but Chris, what, your point was what? And, and I won't compromise the stage. That's it. I just, I, I won't. You know, and and if I'm representing somebody and they feel like they're entitled to get on stage, at the, it's two separate businesses. Totally. You know. You know which? So, sorry. Go ahead. You know, I I just I wouldn't do that. You know, so we're talking about booking 
if you don't mind, each of you talk about your theory of booking your clubs. Now, you're all a little bit different. One's in a different location than the others. Your, Chris is a headliner club. But, I mean, Al, like, what is, your, what is your theory of booking your club and what works for you? It's always very simple with me. If they're getting, if I can hear them in the bar, which is at Broadway, two thick, solid walls away, then... The, guy's, the guy or the girl, the woman the is killing. and killing, yeah. and that's what's important to my audience. Credit's not yeah. so important. Well, listen, credit usually is what gets them there, you know, and, you know, you. I think all club owners, whether they'll admit it or not, uh, in this day of the Internet, they're looking at websites, they're seeing who's hot, who's not, who's getting up. And no. uh, I'm not at all. No, no, no. either am I. I don't know. I I I, I, I I'm, think I'm, they won't admit you're it. Not the type. <laughs> What's that? You're not the booker. I'm not, no, no. But Estee's not. Estee, Estee, Estee has a dial-up connection. I was going to say. <laughs> but you know, I think I think as a club owner, you hear who's hot and who's not, and you hear it from other comedians. And and uh, if they're if they're on my stage and they're killing, that's all I want. I, you know, some people I, they want the next sitcom star. They want this. That's all nice. But that's not satisfying my audience on a Saturday night at 9.45 p.m. Right. They want to be entertained after working a 40, 50, 60-hour week. So yep. there's somebody who's hot, which by definition means they've, they've got credits, they've, they're on TV or film. Or credits, blah, 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 blah. You, you, you always talk about that. And, and hot, hot to me means that. No. Dan, what does it mean to you? You're an act. If someone says an act is hot, what does that mean to you? Well, credits, but, but not the Tonight Show. Not, I mean, not credits that used to mean a lot, like always oh, done a late-night talk show. Oh, he's he's on a sitcom. Right? No, it's currently this is the, this well is, rated. No, no. You, you, first of all, Paul and I have had this argument before. That's why he, he he's skipped over me on it. But no, he, I was going to come. He thinks that that credits are important, and I think you're making a, a logical to error. who? Well, I think you made a logical error there, in the sense that I, I suppose it's unlikely to be hot without having any credits. Right. But just because you have credits does not make you hot. Oh, I. We agree. are concerned. Certainly, want to book people who are hot. But the fact that somebody can say, you know, but I'm the star of it, and I'm like, nobody cares. But you, then you cannot say to me, which we've had this conversation, we never care about credits because you, you, we don't you care do, about credits. You do when you book somebody who's hot. By if you're well, hot, by definition, well, credits. Correlation is not causation. We we care that they're hot. No, but but and but, you can be hot. I, I think you can be hot. But without if somebody credit. is a fuzz, that's if, if somebody is famous, the audience enjoys seeing famous people. That's right. Irrespective of you know being funny, of course, is the is the is the most important. But sometimes an audience just likes to see famous people. I agree with you, but and famous, no, famous, hot, and credit are all the same well, thing to me in this conversation. Okay, so you're defining I, I hot and famous, and I would define it the same way. Yeah. And Noam and Esty will use somebody that's famous because they know the audience enjoys that. Mm. It's enjoyable to see somebody sure, famous, absolutely. but it's not the only litmus test. Of course, That's not the only litmus test. Most of the people at the Comedy Cellar are anything but famous. Mm. Right. I, I can tell you when Esty and I do the lineups on Tuesday. It never comes up. Yeah, it's never mentioned. Oh, this guy has. Cra- we, I mean, I mean, yeah. the, the the truly. No, but somebody who's truly famous. The is- truly famous were not booking them on the lineup. They're walking in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and among the the mortals that were that were booking, and some of them are pretty well known. Mm-hmm. None of them rise to the level of being so well known that it affects, let's say a Michael affects our booking. Uh, let's say a Michael Che, who's sort of in that mid zone between he's not a household name but he's only he, because he's funny we because we were giving you Mi- give him no extra credit for we being michael we were giving che. michael che a lot of spots before he was well known based on just he he was unbelievably funny mm. so he was, he was cast at the cellar before saturday night live or after yeah he was he was before? he was, was um 
He was writing. It was, like, it was like six months before he was still writing, but he wasn't. Yeah, it was right, right before he was writing at SNL, and then he was writing. The then he show. then he left SNL. Yeah, he was past the cell a long time ago. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Then he was over. But the he was but show. he was a juggernaut. I mean, and he had first, no credits when he was past at the cellar. That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. and we and we we gave him an enormous amount of spots because he was killing. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. killing. You know, mm -hmm. and he was killing in a way that I think made people feel they were seeing somebody special, someone who had a future, someone who might be a star of tomorrow. That matters as well. There's mm. a there's a vibe to that. This young, handsome kind of hip guy is killing. Like that's how it was with uh, Mulaney. Like Mulaney too, yeah. A bunch of years mm. ago. John, also, John Mulaney, yeah. He was here, he I, I think you're somewhat influenced. My, my opinion is, is you're subconsciously, to some extent, influenced by the buzz. Um, subconsciously. Um, as a booker. As I a booker. always felt like the seller was pushed a little bit more by the buzz that the comics create about other comics than, than about it being, you know what I mean? That's, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Like, and I know that when comics start, I pay attention to when the comics down at the bar put their beers down and want to go upstairs and watch the show. Like, I pay attention when the comics are really stoked to see somebody because then that tells me that there's... I that's have, what I have pulled the me, plug you know? on some pretty important comics who just weren't going over. I'm like, we just can't anymore. Mm. We yeah. can't. So Rebecca, what yeah, is Sometimes your... comics, 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 the comics mm. that a comic might like, an audience might stare at and go, well, they the call, it's, they're, <laughs> called, they're called back, they're called, yeah, back of the room comics, meaning the the staff and the other comics really yes, like them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They'll love them and, or her, and then, the audience is like, what the heck? So is how do you feel like that's art versus commerce, right? So what do you do there? Like you want to have the guy or the woman that's really sort of on the cutting edge creatively, but isn't necessarily going to help you resell tickets. Where are you on that, Al, or any of you in terms of I'm personally person? about making the audience happy. You know, I mean, there's spots that I can give us someone like that. Maybe a, a later, a later in the night spot where the audience is small anyway, but you know, you got a full room on a Saturday night. You want you want, you want the big guns going that you know are going to get the laughs. Yeah, I would agree with Al. I mean, I think the first responsibility is the, to the audience, you know, and not that we don't want to put it somebody that, that's hip or smart, but if it's it's too above what the audience is getting, no matter how funny the comedians find, it's not, not good for us, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, so that's, how, Rebecca, that's how we make our living is pleasing customers. Right. Rebecca, what is your approach to booking... Uh, I like the concept shows, the stuff that's going to be really out of the box. Like I like doing stuff that is that is going to make people want to come back monthly to a particular show, not just come to a room. Right. Because I mean, the, it, it's a very different approach. My approach is is way more artist forward because we're training the audience more than the than the artists in a lot. That's of ways. a good point. To what extent is a club getting the audience? In other words, you talk about we want to please the audience, and we put the the comics on that please the audience. To what extent? Is, is is the audience coming because of the comics that you put on so that maybe if you put on different people, you'd get a different audience? And yeah, you, I mean, that's completely is, is that accurate. What, that's what you're... I, and that's I've, what you're, I have... I mean, I feel like my room is completely different from night to night depending on what I have booked. And I have shows that are... Um, that are, are uh, themed, and then I have some that aren't, and I have some that are variety shows, and I have some that are like, I mean, when we first started out, it was in the middle of Long Island City, nobody had, there was no comedy in Queens at all, the whole borough. I mean, we, we had to do improv mostly, just so that we could avoid doing bringer shows. Pretty amazing that you guys pulled that off. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it got a little bit, 
difficult. I mean, there's a club now that's 300 feet from me as the crow flies. That makes it very difficult. And they actively poach shows, which makes it very difficult. They, they actually they act, actively poach? So poach it- shows, yeah. They, I mean, they sent people over to try and, like, come and, like, get my comedians to, like, go and perform over there. And thank God I had, a, a, a well, you know, enough loyalty is, well, built I, up and goodwill built well, up that that this wasn't This is the successful. thing is, you know, Al and I have this beef, but, but I, I won't book anybody that works at the club. Really? I won't book anyone. So it's either or. That's got to be such a, such wait, a wait, difficult wait a decision second. to Let make. me respond to that. Because I found Greenwich Village Comedy Club's lineup from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And a lot of them are now at this club. No, it's, it's not a lifetime. It's not a lifetime ban. I just oh, I won't okay. do it simultaneously. I'm not. Yeah. Mad, I'm not mad at them. Yeah. So like and, while and they're some, in rotation with you, they can't be in rotation with you. Yeah, and, and some people have stayed with Al because I because he was giving yeah. them a lot of spots, and I'm like I I can't promise I can't promise them anything. Right. All I know is that I don't want the his flyer guys to be able to say, well, actually, we have the same guy. That they no, have I mean, there tonight, except it's half the price. I understand that. that. I don't. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't have any restrictions like that because we're we're working with a different sort of level. You know what I mean? For me, I feel like the the comedians that are participating in both. I've I've recently become heartbroken when I realized that a couple of my favorite comics that are at the Creek almost every day now are hosting shows and that at the other club. Yeah. Um. And it. I. I, I have to figure out what I'm going to do about it because at some point. It's too much. It's just too much overlap, and the shows that they're doing over there, I don't like that their their bookers come and sit in the back of my room. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and it's one of those things. But then at the same time, I'm a crazy cunt because I'm running people out, or I am paranoid because I I won't let you know the guys from the other clubs come in and 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 hang I, out. I think that people are always going to try to make you feel crazy. You know, and the truth like is, like an overprotective they, parent, but, you, ha- but you're protecting yourself. I have to. I have to protect the business because I also have employees. You know what I mean? It's not just me, but it. But I also you, you is know, enough with those guys with with those guys. You know, coming into the neighborhood and this this club has now since had one turnover. I I consider that comp- I take that competition really seriously, and it does make our jobs harder when somebody's putting on a show that's so different from yours, and they think that's the definition of comedy. And in Long Island City, where we are dealing with a lot of first timers, we are training the audience. When they go see that show or that go to that place and have that experience, they won't come to. The- they'll be done. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Do you guys all have used bookers, or how involved are you in the talent that goes up on on your stage? Like, Excellent do you see question, them beforehand or so I um, my place is, is run different and I'm getting ready to change it a little bit um, right now what I do is I take pitch meetings from people who have shows that they want to do and I book those shows and then they can book who they want for those individual lineups now they're going to be operating every new show that comes in going forward is going to be operating with a list of people who I want to work with basically the other? By, by, by the way, do we use bookers? I don't know what uh, you do. The, I want. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask Chris another question. But go ahead, ask, answer her question about the the booking. So yes, we have a booker, uh, okay. Sean Flynn, but we have an approved list. So you know, we talk about it often. And so if he wants you know, to add someone, or he thinks that, then does that person audition for you, or like? No, nah, you know what I mean. Sean, we've been working. We've been working working together so long. Uh, you know, if he passes somebody. You know it's good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. Okay. You know, it's like. And Al. At uh, we have a booker at Greenwich, at Broadway on the Broadway. We have a weeknight booker at Broadway for the nine o'clock show. I book the eleven o'clock and the weekends. 
over there. And then as far as the, the talent, Roger you, see, of comedy. you see everybody. <laughs> What's that? How many harassment as, suits do you have against you? <laughs> <laughs> as far as the talent, you see everybody firsthand before they ever yeah, oh, stage yeah, time? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't put anyone. Uh, I, I got uncomfortable before about the, talking about the, you know, the, the recent success that the sellers had. But I believe that Chris Mazzilli is actually sitting on an, a comedy, a web of comedy corporate empire. And I've never really uh, untangled it. I don't, I don't know if it's something you can talk you have Gotham, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have another company that manages. And are you also associated with like Levity Live and these places all over? And then that's associated with the improvs all over the country. Is that all correct? So, yeah. And it's like Gotham. 30 improvs. And in how the, much did you make last year? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. Um, so we have a management relationship with Levity. So we manage talent with them. Uh, and then Levity when you say who's we Gotham, my, my brother and I, your brother and you. Yeah. Um, and, and then, what's the name of that company? It's Levity entertainment group, LEG. Okay. They're based on the West coast and then, your brother and you go by the name Levity entertainment group. No, that's the company we work with to manage talent. Right. Do, do you guys have a, your entity have a name? Your brought you and your brother, the, well, a management company. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's kind of an overall okay. thing. Yeah. And then we, we own a, uh, part of Levity live comedy club up in Rockland County. Not levity the which is a good room. Yeah, it's a good room. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a nice. Uh, yeah, we built out a nice room up there, um, and then we have a production company where we produce TV shows. Any mm. truth to the rumor, Chris? And you can you can say no comment mm. that you introduced Seinfeld to Judah Friedlander, and Seinfeld said, "Oh yeah, the world champion. That doesn't get old." <laughs> 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 Um, oh my God! It's possible to be honest with you. I don't remember you don't it. Remember. Okay, you know. I heard that. I heard yeah. that. I don't know if it's true. Uh, yeah. But you and Seinfeld are, are, are buddies. I'm told. You like uh, hang out together. We become good friends. Okay, okay. We have some some mutual interests and, and like likes. You guys are car people. That's it. Yeah, he loves cars. I love cars, so we talk about that stuff a lot. Can I go back to something? And I don't know how you. Dan, I'm going to start with you on this. Go ahead. This when there is a like you know, Noam said you work. You work Al's room down the street. You can't work right, that. And yeah. I don't know how you feel about, like, at some, you feel a little bit in between two parents arguing and, like, it, you know, it, it sort of, it hurts us. And does that seem fair to you? Um, I, you know, it's, it's, I don't see a fairness issue. I, I do work Al's other room uptown in, on 53rd no, Street. No, but let's say, let's leave that aside. Let's, you, you know what I'm talking about, because it doesn't just happen in New York with those oh, two yeah, rooms. Yeah. You go to, there's clubs all over the city. There's two competing clubs. It happens in, uh, in Colorado between the comedy works and the improv. You work one, you can't work the other. And they're, thir you know, they're 30 minutes apart, so it's right. bullshit in terms of overlap of audience. And it seems unfair to put us... You know, and we're like working comics. We're not big stars. We're trying to make money and support ourselves and our family. If there's enough to go around, why? If Can I like interject we're on that? Not communists. So, and I have specific knowledge of like we were talking about in Denver with the comedy works yeah. and the improv. So what's different there, it's a headliner room, right? So for them to say, you know, I don't want... The, a comic to headline both clubs it's really the market's not big enough and, yeah. and you know 30 minutes away for a headliner room yeah it's too close yeah you know and, and that's you know like you know caroline's does what we do you know i don't go and try to post her acts who i and, and if an act said well i want to headline there and headline with you guys you, you can't do it right? you know, and, 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 and i just use I that agree, one thing I, as an example i agree with chris and 
I'll be honest with you, initially when I found out that there were comics that felt pressured about working Greenwich because they didn't want to jeopardize their relationship with the seller, I was a little miffed at first because some of these people were people I had long-term relationships. But I'll be honest with you, I found out recently that there's another room in the area that has some of the acts that I'm paying money to, and these same acts are going up for free and working out their stuff. So now for the first time, I'm understanding how he's feeling, and I'm saying to some of these acts, wait a second. It's like that scene in the Godfather, uh, Goodfellas, uh, no, um, Casino. You're skimming the skim? You know? <laughs> Same thing here. Well, good for you, Al. You know, I, I actually think that the, the, one of the biggest problems in the world in, in our politics and everything is the inability of people to put themselves in other people's shoes. You know, they just, yeah. I mean, you, you think it's unfair. It's not unfair to you. There's nothing unfair going well, on I there. disagree with we you. Have, You're well, not in my shoes. I'm not in yours. That doesn't mean fairness is a different concept than it doesn't work to your benefit. I'm not here... Nobody's there to have to, well, what's, how's it going to affect Paul Mercurio? Mm. No, I, I get it. I do what's right for me and my business. Oh. And, and we, you know, we, we have how many shows a week now? Like 40 shows a week. And, and we're giving four times as many spots to comics as we used to. Mm -hmm. As a result of my unfair policies, you know, and that's just pocketed. Well, that's just the status quo now. But if he doesn't want me to have one more spot down the, down the block at all, that's mm. unfair to me. Mm. It's not, it's not unfair to you at all. We have no, you, you don't have to come to work at the comedy cellar, do you? Is that unfair to me if you don't want to work at the cellar? Would no, you, I'm not, I know. Why is that not unfair? But, but, I, but I could use you. Mm. Why is it not, why, you, you should have to come work for me, right? Mm. It's not fair. I guess, I'm not sure I follow. I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is, that, is, is that, 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 that because you do something that's best for you, it may work out to my detriment. I may right. not get Paul Mercurio. Right. I would never think, Paul's not being fair to me. He has to work. He, you don't have to do anything you don't well, want to do. One could make the argument that the two clubs, instead of uh, having this issue with the talent, each respectively work more creatively to generate business you, and let those acts work both clubs. One could make that argument. I think what Paul is saying is that, is that he disagrees. He, he understands that you're, you're enacting policies to, to maximize your business. But he, I think what he's saying is he disagrees that, in fact, those policies do help your business. Is and that, let me, and let me just, just put a fine point on it because it, it gets, I even forgot maybe, it. Maybe that's not what Paul No, says. no, I'm sorry. Is, it, <laughs> is that my only demand from Al was that he not put his flyer guys surrounding my line. Right. I offered to lift the ban on people working both clubs so long as there was no poaching going on mm -hmm. of, of my line. So then was the ban, so and, then that worked out? The ban was lifted? And, no, uh, so, so Al and, and, you know, what can I do? say they feel that it's not worth the trade-off. They have their guys right near the comedy cellar line. Yeah, but you on the said the, you said, and, and, yeah, but you said the pizza place, right? They I have mean, a, no, I said- Is the pizza I, place I, part of the comedy cellar? I, I, no, I, I, said, I said within ear or yeah. eye shot of my line. The so pizza place the is, a, is a strategic place because people park and come out of the garage and come out of the subway yeah. and turn that corner and they are, and the way they approach them is a kind of, you know, it's, it's not, not the most, on the up and up sales pitch I ever heard checking in for comedy because a lot of people say, yeah, they think it's, they assume it's the seller. So that's, and I don't think that you put those words in their mouths, but that's the tactic they use. Again, because I'm sure it, it works for them. And I get a certain number of emails every month from some customer who made a reservation for the seller who wound up in your club and didn't realize, right? And it's like, and he's describing a place, oh, they went to Greenwich 
comedy. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, I also I'm just telling people, the truth. That's I've all. also gotten people, uh, you know, it's going to give you the other end of it. Before our regular shows, we have shows where people are privately producing, and somehow they wind up at the cellar. I mean, that's good. You know, (laughs) I'm just saying it happens on both ends. No, I'm not. I'm not blaming you for anything. Let's say someone parks on Bleecker and they're walking to the cellar. Are we supposed to know they're walking to the cellar when we say comedy tonight when they're passing in front of our place? I mean, Listen, I mean, you, do, you, know, you do what you want within the law yeah. and morality, and I don't, I don't know if you're... I mean, I think that some things are pretty close to that line. When you, when you go to a customer checking in for comedy, uh, that's a line I think, you, I think you've crossed a line there. But other than that, if it's legal to put people on the streets, I don't know that it is, but if it is and you want to put people on the streets, then put people on the streets. Licensed. Licensed. But, uh, you know... And then, and, but I also don't have to book the same acts, you know. Yeah. And uh, listen, we and he and I don't have any like he agreed to come on the show. We have no yeah. bad feelings. First time you guys have really talked about this. Anymore. No, we yeah, talked. We've about talked about it. About I, I've heard uh, Noam talk admiringly of Al in the past. I actually I do admire Al. Yeah. yeah. What do you admire about him? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to speak. On, I'm going to speak <laughs> honestly and, and try to say diplomatic. I don't think it's it's. Uh, um, I don't think it'll be received outside the, the intention of where it's coming from. Al is re, is derided sometimes as being kind of the blue collar comedy owner, struggling, you know, making deals with the flyer guy to go on stage, and you know, and and kind of like making something out of nothing to get his club. And people people feel he should operate in a different way. And I've always said the guy stays in business. Everybody else flops. Mm-hmm. How can you be so arrogant to start criticizing a guy who's been a survivor yeah, a and succeeded yep. when so many other people fail? You so can't I argue will, with success. Yeah, That's I right. will never, and I have always, and I thought I will never jump on the bandwagon of criticizing Al because he's, again, he's got his family to feed. Yeah. But she did do it the way that some, the, the genius comedians at the table think it should be done and then, and then quietly go broke. The yeah. funny part is some of these comedians that are taking these blue shot, blue collar shots at me, have been working for me for years and taking my money. They take my money, but yeah. they'll take, you know, look, I've heard it all. The chicken wings on the George Foreman grill. I mean, all the nonsense. <laughs> they happen to taste pretty good. But, you know. Oh, I uh, assume that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice that the Barzinis and the Corleones could come together on this day. <laughs> uh, that's, a second, lightning. that's the second Barzini comment. No, you, you had the first one. I do have one question. To the, I will, I will, yeah, yeah, we're going to wrap I, it you know, I have some trade secrets that I, I'm happy they did, you didn't uh, force Reveal. me to, uh, to talk about. But I do have one thing. It's common to the discussions of other comedy clubs, and I, and I do have a strong opinion about it. Why does why does everybody have check spots? I do not have check spots. You don't have check spots. I collect credit cards and take them to the register from the showroom, and people have to come and pay at the register and get their to get their credit cards. So while the while the show's going on, there's you just no treat it like a bar. No, but I'm saying that you don't you don't. There's a waitress that comes in, but we don't deliver the checks. They have to come out and go to the restaurant to get them. Because no, we collect tell people the checks. We, tell we, people we, we what you do at your cards. club. Nothing. We don't. We don't do anything until the show's over. No, but we explain to people who may not know what. what well, I, there's a common practice at clubs, and I understand. I understand the reason for some of them in the early shows because you know time is so I much of the, the essence to flip the room. They they hand out the check during the last comedian or during the last part of the headlining headliners act. But comedians hate this. Yeah, it's like 15, 20 minutes, fifteen minutes toward the end. Of they the hate usually. it, yeah. and so that's why we don't do it. But then I notice that the same clubs they even do it in their late shows. 
So why would they, I, you know, I, maybe you have to make that mm -hmm. compromise in your early show, but why do it in a late show when you have no, you have no time constraints, you know, still, you know. Well, I mean, that spot gets treated like a, like a, like an audition in a lot of ways. I mean, I know Dan Soder speaks super highly of a check spot because that's how he got his sort of first toehold in, um, at, uh, at some of the other clubs. But uh, I see. I didn't I, know that. I remember Judah Friedlander started the, the protest email that you signed the petition to get rid of the check spots. Oh, he I didn't know he, that. He has that online yeah, now. Yeah, yeah it's, really. It's been there for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what about what about you? I mean, is it a matter of timing and changeover and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, but the other, I mean, you worked the room. You worked the yeah. room. It's really it's not noticeable, and it's yeah. not noticeable because my philosophy is: look, you have people that are going to drink three and four drinks. You have people that are going to have two. So if they have two and they're done, give them their check. You know, so it's not an actual check spot. They put out sporadically, and that's it. And there's really, it's not a definable thing. You don't see a waitress go out with a stack of checks and drop them all down. We don't do it that way. Yeah, because if you did, it would come to a screeching halt. What about you, LG? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, but, uh, you know, it's it'll, it's also New York City, for us at least, you know, in my experience. You, you have 200 people trying to leave the same time, and, You've got a show backed up outside waiting to come in with another 200 people. Oh, but Gnome's able to pull that off. I mean, not 200, but 100 and change. Uh, I mean, you know, for us, I wish I could figure out a yeah. way to do that. I mean, you know, we do all we but we don't have we do have, I think, a little bit like uh, somebody said, we do have someone that kind of is experienced at eating, so to speak, the checks for 15, 20 minutes and they. They do a pretty yeah. good job. It's not interfering in any of the other main comics that are on that show. And if you've ever been a part of the turnover at the Comedy Cellar, it is, I mean, let's not pretend it's like the smoothest thing <laughs> like that happens. It's like Keystone Cops. It's a zoo. It's a zoo. I never you really, noticed. like, yeah, you have to be there. A lot yeah. of yelling. It is crazy. It's very crazy. It. Yeah. It's yeah. something to, to behold. Yeah. And in the underground, we, we have more, more time between the shows. Yeah. We have a half an hour. Still, right. half an hour is pretty quick. Right, turn turn it over. Yeah, that is. That's a pretty big room. Well, I think we're uh, good job, Paul. Yeah, oh, this is great. I was hoping you might start a little action, like yeah. a little fighting. A little uh, bit. <laughs> Paul, very good, very good. You reset. You kept. You were. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. You kept it moving. Excellent. I'm gonna hug you. Um, <laughs> Al Martin, thank you very much My on pleasure. behalf of Noam and the Comedy Cellar who put this together. Steve Calabria putting it together. Noam. Dan Natterman, uh, Chris Mazzilli, Rebecca Trent has come back in. Thanks. And uh, Kristen Montella. I'm Paul Mercurio. This is the Comedy Cellar Show on Raw Dog, Channel 99. Thanks for checking out. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. 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 Good night. Thank you. You're a pro, Paul. Good job. <laughs>